This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Quincy with the Guardians Fancast, and I'm here today with Peter Pratt of Locked On Marlins. Peter, how you doing? Quincy, I'm doing awesome. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to yeah, looking forward to talking some Marlins Guardians hookups. Maybe this this <laughs> off season could be right. it could be interesting. But I'm I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, well, Peter, I I know you're in the UK. So how did you become a Marlins fan? Can you tell us a little bit of that story? I know what what the hell. How is this UK guy uh, started following the Marlins? I'm with you on that. And I asked asked myself that same question very regularly, thinking, (laughs) why the Marlins? But it was a family holiday over to to Miami uh, in 2017, 16, I think it was. Okay. So I wasn't a baseball fan. I'd never followed baseball before then. But I, I said, hey, listen, there's... There's a match, a baseball match, I think is perhaps what I called it. <laughs> I said to my wife, let's go to the baseball match. Okay. So we went to watch the Marlins against the Diamondbacks. I had no idea, you know, who was playing, what the rules were generally. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I came away and, and Stanton hit a home run. And at that moment, I was like, this dude looks good. Um, I think I'm just going to go with the Marlins and get into baseball at this moment. So, you know, a bit of a... You know, not really any historical connections to the Marlins or baseball in general, but I went, saw a game, liked it, and thought, let's go. Let's give it a go. And like I said, uh-huh. I've regretted it ever since. <laughs> <laughs> that Marlins, uh, I'm trying to remember, 2017 was the Marlins outfield, Stanton, Yelich, and Ozuna. Was that it was. what it was? Yeah, because I, I remember, I mean, obviously, I'm a Guardians fan, but I, I, I just love that outfield. And of course I loved Jose Fernandez, unfortunately yeah. passed away since, but, yeah. uh, but I, I did kind of like that team a lot and that outfield was so great, but yeah, they kind of traded everybody away and so <laughs> forth and so on as they exactly. tend to do. That's, that's cool to share, uh, share that story. Now I'll say too, you know, as a Guardians fan, I should really have no bad memories of the Marlins because the Marlins and the Guardians don't have any bad history. It's the Indians who had bad history with the There you Marlins. go. There you go. Well, I'll just let that go. I will say your team broke my heart when I was a 14-year-old child. Um, so, uh, But I'm going to let that go <laughs> because, yeah. you know what, I don't know. Peter, you probably have run into the Miami show, the Dan Levitard show at yeah. all. Yeah, I, I love Levitard. So I, I kind of become a, a partial like Miami Marlins uh, knower because I, I listen to their shows all the time. And I, yeah. I do hope they get a good team on the field here eventually. I had Peter on today because I wanted to talk a little bit about a potential Marlins Guardians trade. So to start off, though, Peter, could you tell me a little bit about where you think the Marlins are this offseason? Kind of what things they have on the agenda to do now that they hired Skip Schumacher? Like, what are some things you're thinking about this offseason for the Marlins? Oh, man, we just need some sticks. We need some sticks badly. Um, <laughs> I mean, the pitching, as we've seen, I mean, we've, we've been, what are we, fourth place in the NL East, nearly fourth, fifth worst team in the NL. You've got the Cy Young winner, pretty much. I mean, it's not yeah. confirmed right now, but... should be. Starting pitching's there, right? And it's clear the offense just needs more juice, more sticks. Mm-hmm. 
And the Marlins, really, they're not going to spend to acquire those sticks. So it's going to be how can they maneuver some of their their pitching and some of their excess pitching, perhaps, up and down the levels, not just at the major league level, but really it's how can we acquire some major league ready or major league uh, talent right now, offensive guys, and move away some of the some of the pitching. Mm-hmm. Whether that's someone that's established and kind of into arbitration like a Pablo Lopez, whether it is an earth-shattering deal like Sandy Alcantara, where you absolutely sell high on, on Sandy, mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if they go down that pathway. But yeah. You know, with that, you that's, know. That's, that's, the, that's the need. That is the need. We need offense. We need it badly. If they can piece it together without really hurting the pitch in too badly, you know, this team, you know, can make some noise. It can hang with anyone, I think. So, yeah, big, big offseason required. And and the Phillies have kind of shown you this year, too, that, you know, now it's at that point where you can sneak in the wild card as that yeah. sixth team. And then if you've got the the players, you can make some noise. So I think the Marlins should see that as a little bit of a model. Well, not the financial model, but the model oh. of, hey, if we can just get in there. Uh, yeah, I'm that's with cool. You. And and real briefly, I, I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but what do you think of the Schumacher hire? I, I didn't know a lot about him before. Um, to be honest with you. So, but as I've dug into it, the, the thing I've liked about it overall is, so my personal opinion is I like it. I like the hire. I like the fact that they, they identified a guy that they, that they liked and it's a first time hire, you know, old school mentality, but with a modern twist, maybe perhaps, you know, gritty kind of ex player. Like I'm all for it. And I think it's, I think it's a nice hire. The reality is, he needs the sticks, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. he'll fail. His record will be terrible if uh, they can't get the offense right. So, you know, it, it was needed. Don Mattingly, uh, great long-serving manager, obviously the NL manager of the year in 2020 as well. We shouldn't forget it. So, yeah, you know, Donnie had a great stint there in Miami, but it was time for a change. Donnie, I think it was, you know, he'd run out of ideas, maybe time to change it up. Skip, new into the role. I'm intrigued. I'm very, yeah. very intrigued, but I don't know a lot about him, to be honest with you, and uh, you know, hope to start to get a sense of to who he is. But yeah, we'll, well see. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, my kind of opinion. It's so hard to evaluate managers, but my kind of opinion on when teams hire guys is if they're hiring bench coaches and you know coaches that are from teams that are pretty great analytically. Mm-hmm. I'm usually a fan, so if you get somebody from the Cardinals, the Astros, the Rays, probably the Guardians. And you yeah. get one of their like bench coaches or whatever, or, or if you're looking at a GM at one of their assistant GMs, uh, you could probably feel pretty good about that. I think so. I felt I good so. about it. All right. Me well, too. let's talk a little bit about Pablo Lopez because you mentioned him. Now, Sandy Alcantara, I'm sure any team in baseball will be interested in that conversation if they were willing to put him out there. Um, and the Guardians certainly have lots of prospects where they could consider that kind of thing. But like you said, probably not. You know that they're going to have to be overwhelmed to deal deal Sandy Alcantara. They're going to have to be like, oh, this is like sets us up to be great for a decade or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but Pablo Lopez got a couple more years of arbitration left. Seems like the kind of guy they might consider moving. What are your uh, are you thinking that they they will move him? That they maybe will if their opportunity arises. What are your thoughts? Uh, it's a tricky one with Pablo, mainly as like as a fan speaking. Fans love Pablo. Got to call that out right now. Pablo, he has made some great connections with the fan base. He speaks so eloquently. He's just a straight up top dude. So, mm. like, the fans love him. He came as part of a trade a few years ago. So, he's been part of this rebuild, too, you know, pretty much from the start. I think David Phelps was the return for Pablo Lopez. So, you know, oh, the Marlins wow. absolutely fleeced, I think, the Mariners on that one, yeah. uh, which was great to see. 
Um, we've we've been fleeced on other occasions. We won't talk about those. Um, <laughs> but the you know clearly with Pablo, you know final two years of ARP. What does that mean? He's getting more expensive. What does that mean for the Marlins? Oof, doesn't normally fit the profile. So there is that, and there was obviously these rumors at the off uh, sorry at the deadline where the Yankees seemed strongly in on Pablo, as were the Dodgers, maybe one or two others. So you know some indications the Marlins were happy to listen and they've already put it out there it's you know apart from Sandy will listen on anyone I think is pretty mm. much the message and so listen I think Pablo um he's had some health issues historically and what I mean by that is you know he's typically got hurt second half of seasons but this year he went a full what 32 33 starts full workload for Pablo um this perhaps is the opportunity for the Marlins to sell as high as they can on Pablo. With two years of control, coming off a full year, um, pitcher of the month in the NL in April, I want to say, from memory. So, And the Marlins have got so many arms. And they have to move some of them to get some sticks. And that's, that's the only way. And it's going to be tough if he does go. The other thing as well, Sandy Alcantara and Pablo Lopez are like the one too. They're like best best friends, best buddies. You know, maybe Sandy will come down and go, listen, Pablo cannot be traded. <laughs> maybe Sandy's <laughs> driving the bus on this one. But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, Pablo will be a good addition for anyone. Frankly, you know, the Yankees needed him in the postseason. Frankly, so did the Dodgers, to be honest with you. Both of them yeah. teams, in the end, they they were suckered into thinking because they're way ahead in their division, we don't need to add. They were wrong. They actually were wrong on that. They should have pulled the trigger on Pablo. Um, I know, obviously, the Yankees got, got through uh, against the Guardians, but both the Yankees and Dodgers in the end in the postseason, they ran out of arms, you know, yeah. and that hurt them. And so I think they'd regret it. You know, you, you if you're in, you know, you've got to give yourself the best chance to win. And those teams clearly were going to be in. Didn't want to give up prospects or the sticks, I guess. But yeah, yeah Pablo, interesting one. Um, and so just, we can, and we'll come back to that. Do you think that they might be more likely they look to shop maybe like uh, Edward Cabrera or Trevor Rogers or... All right, you think Pablo is probably the one if they're going to trade? To be honest with you, they may need to, may need to move two of them. You mm. know, the, the the offensive need is so great that they're going to have to move probably multiple arms. Pablo probably will be one of them. The question then, the, the question in my mind is, what do they do with the lefties? Because you've got Lozado that's really emerged this year. Trevor Rogers that dropped off but was you know great in 21. You know, you've got some other lefties coming like in the upper minors. So you start to think, can you have too many lefties? With that being said, do the Marlins maybe consider you know, a, a Trevor Rogers deal as well? Or a Jesus Lozado? Or mm. someone like a Jake Eder that I was kind of, I guess, alluding to of maybe coming back as a lefty. You know, they, they can't have a rotation of three lefties, the Marlins. They, it's probably just too many. And so I think that probably leads you to think Pablo plus one of the lefties. So my gut feel would be Pablo and Trevor Rogers at this point, perhaps, would be the two to go. Hmm. All right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I we I've seen folks on Guardians Twitter kind of lusting after Jesus Lazardo as a possibility. Yeah. I saw you know how young he is and how good his numbers look. I was like, I don't know how likely that seems. Um, yeah. I like Rogers too. Uh, I know he had kind of a rough season, but there's a lot to like in those numbers, his strikeout numbers and such. So. All right. Well, if, if I don't know if you had a chance uh, to look at some of the Guardians 
hitters. Uh, so I figured from what I looked at that probably you would, uh, the Marlins would be looking that direction. If they Definitely. were to try to put together a package for Pablo Lopez, do you have a sense of some names that you'd, uh, you'd expect to hear? Yeah, that's a good question. And one that you probably need to help me with on. So I'll, I'll lean on you a little bit, but what I would sure. say is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the thing is, is we need to work out where, where's the position of need. The Marlins mm-hmm. right now, the most glaring hole is in center field. I think that they had that hole going into 22. They couldn't they couldn't address it. So what I'd say is they're desperate for a center fielder. They're also, in my opinion, likely to be desperate for a uh, an offensive-minded shortstop with Miguel Rojas kind of at the tail end of his career. So, you know, you kind of look at those like, you know, blue chip positions effectively, right? You know, short and center field. Yeah. They're going to be looking, you know, if they're going to move these guys, these legit MLB arms that are needle movers for from the pitching side for these guys the Marlins are going to be looking for you know not an a-ball dude high toolsy you know prospect they're looking for a sure thing as as good as you can get probably with multiple years of control that play the center field short they probably got a gap at third base do you know what they've got gaps everywhere to be honest with you so (laughs) (laughs) apart from jazz chisholm you know that's about it really I will say, as far as your system, I I love Khalil Watson. I think he's going to yeah. be a really good player, but he's still a couple years away. So you, you, know, you may be looking at somebody who's going to kind of help there for a while. If folks haven't checked him out, you should go watch some footage of him because he's a really yeah. fun player. Uh, but I think um, I I think that there's probably a possibility of a match here, and it all depends on how the Guardians view Pablo Lopez, and I guess what some other offers are are out there. You know, if the Guardians are like, hey, this is a guy we can put in the first or second game of the playoffs if need be and feel really good about him. Uh, and obviously, I've heard, too, that he's a great team player, which is important to them. Then maybe they're willing to say, hey, Marlins, what do you think about George Valera, who's played a good amount of center field in the minors? Mm-hmm. And um, is somebody that you might be able to think about, you know, kind of. Uh, maybe could play out there. Uh, and then if not, you know, can definitely fill a corner for you. And, or maybe it's more of a package that's like, well, we have Will Brennan, who has shown that he's a, a high contact hitter. He's kind of Stephen Kwan light. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, maybe doesn't have the same walk ability, but super high contact ability and maybe a little more pop and definitely seems like a capable center fielder. But then we package that with Nolan Jones who the guardians have moved to right field, but probably is a solid uh, third base option if you need him there too. So maybe they would come to them with something like that. And then also maybe another piece if need be, but I think those would probably be the beginnings of the conversations. And I wonder if they have conversations too, the guardians might say, well, you know, it's a lot for Pablo Lopez, but what do you think about this for Trevor Rogers? Cause we like him and you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. I think so. The names you mentioned there, cause I, you know, I'm not, I'm not a prospect guy in general. Like, it's not my forte. Uh, it's hard enough to follow the big league club from over in the UK than to, to you know, to dig into mm-hmm. the Marlin system plus anyone else's system. So, but when I started to kind of look, think prospect lists, who who kind of stands out, what are the names? Those names you mentioned there all kind of popped out to me thinking, you know, they could be, they could be interesting options, I'd say, there for the fish. Valera looks like he's playing kind of double A, triple A. Um, I guess you've got Nolan Jones up at the big club as well. So, you know, that's the, this is, I think the Marlins need is really specific where positional and level, those mm-hmm. two combined clearly with, with, you know, high degree of, of talent as well. So to your point, you know, Valera, I think is the number two prospect on the, the Guardians. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. For it Guardians depends on what fans, list you look at. 
some of them are probably like, no, as they're listening to this, because it depends <laughs> on who you are. Some people think Valera is like the next coming of Manny Ramirez. Some people yeah. think it, with better defensive ability. Uh, and some people think that he is maybe a little overrated. He's going to be a solid like three win outfielder kind of thing. Uh, but most everybody's in there. I think the thing that's exciting to me is like if you look at Zip's projections for future years, Valera has the high, the fifth highest weighted on base average projection for two years from now in all of baseball. Uh, so Zips really loves him and, and what he's okay. capable of. I think the thing that excites me about the idea of a potential Marlins Guardians match is that the Guardians have a ton of players who are at AAA level or, you know, just about reaching the majors guys that they're trying to figure out how to do. And, and also if the Marlins are looking at shortstop prospects, that's where the guardians are overloaded. Whether you have uh, Gabriel, Gabriel Arias, who got some major league time, Tyler Freeman, who got some major league time. And then right behind them, you have Brian Rocchio and Angel, Mar and Angel Martinez. All four of these are great shortstop prospects. So if the Marlins are like, Hey, we want somebody for now. And somebody we might be able to move over to second base. Martinez is, probably a second baseman when it comes down to it but somebody maybe want to move to second base at some point put jazz chisholm in the outfield or you know something like that then they can make they could make a lot of interesting contacts there and i think that's that's something to watch over the off season especially you know I, I like you said if they're looking at possibly trading two starters to shore up the the hitting or at least to say we got to get move at least one of them if they can't mm -hmm. match on Pablo Lopez because it's not quite matching value-wise, seems like they really could on Trevor Rogers or something like that. Yeah, there was a lot of reporting that you know clearly Trevor was having a down year last year. It, it felt like he kind of fixed things a little bit towards the the second half, which was good. And the Marlins gave him a little bit of a mental timeout as well. They kind of you know these you know a fictitious kind of back issue. You know basically Trev go and have a few weeks, clear your mind, and come back. And they gave him that time, and he did come back and perform. Then got hurt. So, but the reports around the deadline were a lot of teams were in on Trevor Rogers. So, as, as rightly so, the years of control, a lefty, you know, second in rookie of the year in 21, like the profile is nice. And from the Marlins perspective, that profile, the control should return you a, a, a good degree of, uh, of you know, of, of hitting capital, so to speak, which is what they need to do. You know, it's going to be, the, they can go in so many different directions because they've got so much pitching and pretty much everyone always needs pitching, right? There's always an upgrade to be had. And that's the one thing the Marlins have been able to effectively do the within this rebuild. We look back at it, it's probably been a failure in some ways, the kind of five-year cycle from when Derek Jeter came in. But what they have proven they can do, like no other in some ways, is develop the, the pitching side, which is, has been great to see. That's something um, to fall so, back on, yeah. yeah All right. I, yeah, well, Peter, thank you so much for spending some time with me, and it's been great to be able to get to know you a little bit. Tell people about where they can find your podcasts and you on Twitter and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, well, it's, firstly, I must say thanks for having me on. It's great, uh, great to talk Marlins Guardians. That is infrequent, <laughs> and so I've enjoyed right. it. Um, mainly, I'm, I'm mainly a Twitter guy, not really Instas or TikToks or none of this. I'm just too old. So if you want me, <laughs> I hit me you. up on... Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Same way. I'm a Twitter guy. Um, handle is at Miami Marlins underscore UK. Uh, so that kind of gives it away. Uh, I also, uh, as you mentioned, host the, the Locked On Marlins pod. Uh, so you can get that everywhere that you, you get your pods. There's obviously a Locked On Guardian. So, you know, if you're mm -hmm. listening to Jeff, that. Yeah, Jeff Ellis and uh, Justin... Uh, they do a great job with that. Uh, just 
Yeah, Justin Lada, they're both on that right now. They do a really good job. So yeah, everybody should check that out. Yeah, exactly. So that's the main bit is Locked On Marlins for your daily pods, um, which is, you know, it's a challenge in itself. Five episodes a week covering the Marlins in the off season. <laughs> it's not... <laughs> It's not the easiest task, but all right. Well, oh, Peter, here's the thing if there ends up being a trade, we'll come back together and talk about it and see what we were right or what we were wrong about. And that'll be that'll be fun. All right, 100%. All right, thank you, buddy. This has been the Cleveland Guardians fan cast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.